Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. We are continuing in John chapter 4. Absolutely we are. There, there's some cool stuff in this account with the woman about worship. Absolutely. There I'd is. like to talk about that today. Very good. You want to read some for us? Absolutely. So we're going to look at this account then where Jesus meets the woman at the well. They're in Sychar. We're going to look at John chapter 4, and I'm going to be again reading in verse 5 from the New King James Version. So we came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So as we think about this question of worship, you said you wanted to talk yeah, about, let's talk about worship. worship. It's fascinating how the conversation goes um, that uh, first he's asking for water. She's not just drawing it immediately. She finds that peculiar. Mm-hmm. And then he tells her, boy, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water, a living water. She does think that sounds kind of good, but before uh, before uh, he tells her more about that, hey, why don't you go get your husband to come here? Yeah, if you want some of this water, go call your husband. And she, oh, well, I, I, I don't have a husband. 
To which he responds, that's true. That's true because you've had five husbands and now you're living with somebody. The, the, this, mm-hmm. You've got a man who's just taken you on, which means she has had five men who have said, I'm sick of you. You need to go. Mm. And now she's with a man who basically has said, yeah, I'm not even going to commit to you. You can come in. You can come live. You can come dwell. But I'm, I'm not even going to tie the knot here and make it hard to get rid of you. When I uh, when I kind of play out how that would work, I'm thinking this must be an older woman, actually. Mm, five five husbands. I, it, I, I don't know. It, it, it takes a while to get hitched and then... Yeah, then a couple of years. Yeah, go, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, assu- well. I'm assuming she's not 25. No, I, she, I would she, not. She's going to be beyond time. that for sure. But, but, of course, but of course, as as that happens, she says, "I think you're a prophet." Which, wow. Let's remember what is one of John's questions that he is answering: "Which prophet are you?" He, right. So here in this account, we we are sure to bring up prophet. And mm-hmm. by the way, if I can just not you know spoilers, let cats out of bags and all that kind of thing. In a couple of chapters, we're going to have a bunch of Jews listening to Jesus, and he's going to perform a sign, and they're going to say, oh, look, he's the prophet. Okay. So I do want us to have a contrast here and next two chapters between the Samaritans and the Jews at the feeding of the 5,000, because, you know, you probably already are aware at the feeding of the 5,000, most of the Jews who started following him actually end up abandoning him. After that uh, miracle, yeah. But it started with them saying, hey, we think you're the prophet. Right. We think you're the prophet. Right. Here's a woman that says, I think you're a prophet. And for her, it leads to belief and it leads to the conversion of a village. Well, that's right. She needs to go and then tell the village, Mm -hmm. uh, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. Which I know we'll say this again, but remember in John chapter 1, as it talked about... His own did not receive him, but as many who did receive him, they got the right to become children of God who were born not of the flesh or of the will of man, but of the will of God. Mm -hmm. So here is a woman and a village of Samaritan birth, which is not Jewish birth. And they get to be children of God, even though in a couple of chapters we're going to see some Jews who refuse to become children of God. So part of the deal with with Samaritans, we go back and read some Old Testament history, and we learn that there was a time when God's kingdom of Israel divides. The northern kingdom becomes known as the kingdom of Israel, Mm -hmm. ultimately because of their faithlessness and their idolatry and so forth. Uh, They are conquered by the Assyrian Empire. Part of the Assyrian method was to take people out of their homeland, yes. disperse them all over the empire, m- uh, send new people into a land uh, to kind of uh, work it and rule it and inhabit. And so then there are some leftover uh, Israelite people in that land. You've got the Assyrian people. Of course, they marry, which God's word never changed on that. He was not for the intermarrying of his covenant people with Gentiles, but that happened. And then you have then a new, basically, uh, group of people, race of people, I guess would be the language, of the Samaritans uh, living there. And so in the New Testament time, these Samaritans are living in the northern part of Palestine. The Jews who had had their own Babylonian captivity and returned are living in the southern part of Palestine. And these people do not get along. And where the Samaritans were somewhat, uh, what's the word, had a kind of a syncretism in their religion. And they say, well, you know, there's lots of gods. Yahweh could be a god. Well, yeah, let me let me dig on that because I think that's actually more important than the interracial thing. Because in 2 Kings 17... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, in 2 Kings 17, what happens is these foreigners come in and they start getting eaten by lions. Mm-hmm. And so they reach out to the Assyrians saying, the God here is eating us up. And he says, okay, we'll send a few priests back. They teach them about Yahweh. 
And they decide, yeah, we'll worship Yahweh, but they don't get rid of their other gods. Right. And I, that's, that's a huge thing here. And they're, they're, like you said, the syncretism, the, the pantheon of gods. It blows my mind in 2 Kings 17 that God even allowed that, but he did. Mm-hmm. The, the, he allowed them just to add in as far as to keep from just slaughtering them, as had been happening. But uh, So that, that continues on even to the time of the Samaritan woman. But it does engender then this question about worship. Yes. Oh, so here's a prophet, clearly a Jew. Okay, you're some kind of rabbi, and you want to tell me about my family and goings-ons, and I got a question for you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> why Why do you guys worship over there? Yeah. And you, you won't worship with us, or you won't let us worship I with you. worship with us. Uh, yeah. Because that's another thing. When when the captivity is ended in Babylon, after the, the, the Israelite captivity in Assyria gets subsumed into the Babylonian captivity, and then they're all released by Cyrus, the people who come back, they start to rebuild the temple. Mm-hmm. And some of those... Samaritans, although I'm not sure if they're called that at that time, but some of those folks who are that mixed religion, uh, syncretistic uh, pantheon of gods, worshipers, want to come along and help build the temple in Jerusalem, and they're told, no, you you don't have a part of this. That's right. We won't let them. And that really sets up... a fight yeah. from from then on out. Which, from then on out, yeah, which has been going on for four hundred plus years. Then by the, by time, the time Jesus, Jesus. And, and and this woman are speaking, and the Israelites, I think the the Judeans were right to push off on that. No, no, this the, if you're going to worship Yahweh, this is to worship Yahweh alone. You don't get to come to this temple as just one of the we're one of the many gods because that got us that got us kicked off the land last time. Well, and and, and I hear part of that in Jesus' answer to her uh, when he tells her, "You worship what you do not know." Uh, for salvation is of the Jews. There is a way to worship Yahweh as prescribed in Torah and Scripture, then that need to be faithfully fulfilled until this time. But Jesus is sharing, but there's a new way coming. Yes. Just to pop in here with that comparison between Nicodemus and this woman. Oh, yeah. Just Because here's a note, that point you just brought up. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. Remember when he talked to Nicodemus back in John 3 and verse 12, I have told you earthly, I'm sorry, verse 11, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Mm-hmm. So let's keep in mind, by the time we get to Jesus telling this woman, we worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews, he's actually already told a Jew, I mean, we speak of what we know, and you're not taking it either. So <laughs> even among the Good Jewish point. nation, there's a whole lot of not doing what they know and not sure. knowing what they're supposed to know, and that's what's causing them to reject Jesus. I, pr- I appreciate that. And if you're not doing what you know to do, you are certainly no better off. Well, let's dig into this idea. I'm, no, no, that's it. No. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm looking right. at you. I was waiting to see what you're going to say next. <laughs> aren't not, we? Aren't not, we all not trying to interrupt? <laughs> I, I know what, that shocks you. What, but there you go. What will he say next? Were you going to say about worship? Well, yeah, I was going to say about worship. I, I was just going to say that for the Jews, that mound of dirt in Jerusalem, Temple Mount, Mount Zion. I mean, that was it. And for Jesus to be suggesting that there's another way of worship that's not going to be about that geographical location, yeah. right? 
and when Jesus is having this conversation, Herod's temple stood and all the sacrifices, all the Levitical sacrificial system, everything's going on day in and day out. But he tells her that the hour is coming and now is when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, nor in Jerusalem, uh, will you worship the father nor in Jerusalem, Edwin, Edwin, what, <laughs> what? I don't think that Jesus is saying that you, you won't. I don't think he's saying we'll worship everywhere except these two mountains. Okay. I think what he's saying, if I understand correctly, is that the location won't matter. That mm-hmm. the, the, the key to making worship accurate and appropriate and true and according to God's will is not going to be about the location. Mm-hmm. It's not you're going to have to go to Jerusalem to worship or you're going to have to go to Gerizim to worship. It's You'll be able to worship anywhere, I, I believe is what he's saying. Yeah. And one, one of the things that's always given me trouble, and it's only been in the last year or two that I think I finally kind of settled in my mind. I may be wrong. I'll share this with you. Everything I've ever come up with in my mind where he says, you know, it's not going to be in this mountain or, or in Jerusalem, but those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. As I have explained spirit and truth, figuring out what that means, I'm like, yeah, but the Jews were supposed to do that also. You know, when I tell, oh, in spirit means with their whole being and truth, according to God's will. Well, that's what they were supposed to do under the law also. Well, that's true. Spirit means sincere, uh, spirit and truth means sincerity. Well, that's what they were supposed to do under the law also. I, I think what I've come down to is that what he's saying here is, is that there has been a period of time where spirit and truth included location. Mm. And now I'm telling you the time is coming where it doesn't. It's just going to matter. Is your spirit right? Is yeah. is the truth there? Are yeah. you being sincere? It's not going to be about location. And so I, I don't think he's giving us, here's a new nature to worship. You know, under under the law, as long as you went through the motions, it was okay. But now under Christ, it, you got to be real about it. I don't think he's saying that. Uh, and I don't think he's saying under the law, you didn't have to worry about what the law said, but now under Christ you do. I think he's just pointing out that there is something that is the, the shift. It really is. It's not going to be about where you yeah. are. It's really going to be about where your heart is. I, I think that's it. And, and of course, the a heart guided by this truth and this revelation. There's a, a, a huge shift being talked about here when you are uh, unlocking worship, or I should say even untying worship to this geography or that geography. I mean, yes. that's incredible, and that is radical. Uh, I think we see a giving way here of spiritual realities that physical types and shadows had foretold uh, because there is still a temple, but it is the Lord's church. It is the temple of God. That's going to be a spiritual reality. And that temple can be everywhere. It's not just about in Palestine or on this mountain up in Samaria, so forth. And if I can say just one more thing before we stop today, because I know again, we're over time. We got to keep talking. Yeah, I know. I got to. He's seeking such people to worship him. Not he's seeking Jews to worship him, not he's seeking Samaritans to worship yeah. him, not he's yeah. seeking people who live in Jerusalem to worship him. He's merely seeking people with the proper spirit and attitude towards truth. That's that's what he's looking for. It's going to be a new people for I, this new that's way. That's right. That's yes. right. People following spirit and truth, not people who live in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus is driving that home. So let's worship in spirit and truth. Holy God, we come to you right now, and my prayer is that you would help us 
to have the proper spirit and truth, that we will worship, that we will bow before you, that we will humble ourselves in your presence to recognize your worth and your glory, and that we will do that in spirit and truth. We struggle sometimes as we talk about what that means. We're going to do our dead level best, and we pray, Father, that you would strengthen us, give us the knowledge, the insight, the attitude, the appropriate ideas and concepts to look to you and to worship you because you are worthy. You, your son, your spirit are worthy of our worship, our adoration, our praise. We lift you up and magnify you. Thank you for condescending to love us. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.